On this episode of the Northeast Newscast, Michael Bushnell with the Northeast News is sitting down with two brand new associates at the Independence Avenue CID, Lon Clark, Urban Design Planner, and Mike Spady, Economic Development Ambassador, to talk about their roles with the Independence Avenue CID. We're going to get underway. Welcome to the Northeast News studio, the home of One Kansas City Radio and the Northeast News. My name is Michael Bushnell, and this is going to be my inaugural podcast. Paul Thompson normally took care of this gig, and Elizabeth, our new managing editor, has taken over. So uh, you get me today, basically because of all of the institutional knowledge that, that we share for the historic Northeast community. So I'm joined here today by two brand new associates over at the Independence Avenue CID in the Northeast Chamber. Mike Spady has joined them as an economic development ambassador, and Lon Clark has joined them a little bit prior to Mike, right? Right, by about six months. And what is your title at, at the CID? Urban Design Planner. Your work is basically on the street. Lon, your work is basically on the street. And Mike, your work is more planning, right? Actually, kind of would be maybe the other way around. <laughs> Lonnie is doing a lot of the, the urban planning uh, projects that are going on. I'm working day-to-day with the street ambassadors. Okay. And also will be on the street a lot working with businesses to increase economic activity, get more businesses in the avenue, bring programs to the avenue, maybe like that opportunity zone that we were talking about a couple of days ago, see what we can do to match businesses up with that and investors up with that. And that's I want to get to that opportunity zone a little bit deeper into our conversation. Both of you are kind of coming full circle back to the historic Northeast community. Mike, I'll start with you. Walk us through how that happened. And I know you were instrumental back at Old Northeast Incorporated and HNRC, Historic Northeast Restoration. So give us a little background on how you evolved and how you found Historic Northeast. Well, basically, going back in the day, I mean, that's a long time ago. <laughs> uh, after I got out of grad school, I was looking for an opportunity to be involved hands-on with the improvement of a community. Really didn't want to do the city planning aspect from City Hall and spent some time looking. Actually took about nine months to find a job, but came down here from Lincoln, Nebraska after getting my master's from the University of Nebraska. Huskers. Got to plug the Cornhuskers here. (laughs) Started with Old Northeast, working with Kathy Wagner, working with uh, neighborhoods, working with the CDBG program, the home program, and then started doing some work with Historic Northeast Restoration, which had a contract at that time with Old Northeast. Historic Northeast basically decided to break away from Old Northeast back in 2001. Our board of directors elected me to be their executive director of Historic Northeast. So from 2001 through 2006, we were there actively involved into the development of the special view districts, involved into uh, design guidelines, facade rebate program. We're at Kauffman Partners. What that meant is that we received probably about $100,000 a year from Coppin Foundation to do business training. We started a business incubator without walls, assisted about 250 aspiring entrepreneurs from the Northeast area into uh, getting them started in some sort of businesses, many of which are still there today. That's a testament to HNRC's work at the time. I think that a lot of those businesses still exist today in the community. What would be some of the primary ones? Primary businesses today that are still going on is actually, well, Rebecca Cope was one of the training Backdoor Potter. recipients. Of course, mm-hmm. she was in business before we were doing the training with her. Right. Um, but uh, um, she's still around today. 
Gary Goble, who's on the Northeast Chamber Board, one of our training recipients through the program for the uh, Fast Track Training Program. He's still going on today. There would be several others, but it's just a couple. Lon, how did you, I know that you've been active in the community, Midtown and here, and I think you still make your home in Midtown, if I'm not mistaken? That's correct. You were staff at the Landmarks Commission, the historic... Landmarks Commission, but however, now it's referred to as Historic Preservation Office. Which we have our opinions on that, but uh-huh. we won't go into that here. Well, uh, <laughs> if you don't, while I have the table, if you don't mind, I would like to go back even a little further in when Mike kindly gave me my first job out of graduate school from KU. Yeah. Um, see, now we get, okay, now we got the, the big 12 at the table. Thank <laughs> and, see, I can't, I can't compete with that because I'm just a Missouri Western guy, so. We'll take pity on you. Th- I appreciate that. But I married into the Jayhawk Nation, so there is that. So Mike Spady gave you your first opportunity out of grad school at Old Northeast Incorporated or HNRC? Historic Northeast. Okay. And basically we were at the point where we could add to our staff and we really wanted to make a drive into the development of the avenue. So those first streetscape projects that got built, we led on that through the use of PIAC money. And so through the matching money, we had the phase one, Independence Avenue Streetscape phase two, and then also phase three, which got built several years later. But we did phase three. We put the all together to get that and going like that. That's how Lon came on board there. Yes, we hired to assist that, and and then essentially we were one of the first. We were the first people that were planting the flowers on the avenue back in nineteen ninety. And now we're doing it again. again. <laughs> so walk us through how, like I said, full circle. Walk us through how you're uh-huh. back here in Northeast after Mike and I worked together for uh, it was roughly about six months in nineteen ninety six. The city of Kansas City, Missouri, approached me with a job offer of historic preservation, and that was my focus in college. So it suited me very well, and I had interned with the city of Kansas City, Missouri, in the Historic Preservation Office, so I kind of did a 360 with them, six-month stint with Mike up here in the Old Northeast, planting flowers and so forth. And then I went into house flipping, mostly focusing in the urban core area. Then I got a call from the Chamber of Commerce here in the Old Northeast, Carl Marcus, who is familiar with my background, and he invited me to come interview with Bobby Baker to work for the Community Improvement District as an urban design planner, particularly with my knowledge of the history of the area and its development in relationship to the job I performed for a decade as a historic preservation planner. I spent lots of time up here in the old Northeast and got to know the people, including you, back in the day. So Go ahead and throw that back in the day. <laughs> We're all sporting gray hair here, let me yeah, tell you. That's how, and whether, where that came from, you know, with our involvement in the community, who knows? But anyway. Well, right, with the involvement in the community. So I had spent plenty of time just as Michael in front of the neighborhood associations that are locally listed. So I felt comfortable accepting the position to come back up the old historic area of Kansas City in a way to also continue my work as historic preservation because, as we know, this is one of the oldest parts of the city. When the wealthy moved out here Mm -hmm. from downtown, Quality Hill, once development took off, 
down in the West Bottoms. Let's talk about that development for a minute. Both of you have kind of a unique skill set in community development. How do you see that shaping the future of the international marketplace? And Mike, we'll just start with you briefly. Well, I guess uh, kind of building back on from uh, historic Northeast, after the organization ended in 2006, I remained active in the community, working with small businesses to do incentive packaging applications for various incentives through city and state government and federal government. I'm very much in touch with the needs of the small business community. I also have the knowledge of the Northeast area, and I think bringing those two together, the Northeast area as a historic area of the city is going to be eligible for specific tax incentives that are mm-hmm. out there, ideally matching the entrepreneurs and the aspiring entrepreneurs at those programs and keeping them here in the local area, which is always the goal in the first place is you want to recruit people into the area, people that have money and people that can generate money and have that commitment to the area, and then also work with the existing population that's here to increase their economic capacity. And that's always what we were doing at Historic Northeast. When you say have money, you're talking about business capital. Business capital. That comes into the area that can be invested, and that's that's an injection into the local economy. Absolutely. From that, local from that people are going to spend that money locally. They're not, they're not going to, for the most part, spend it someplace else. They're going to live here in the community. They're going to work here in the community. They're going to spend their money locally here, and that brings up the economic wealth. Right. In the community. Lon, how do you, your skill set is a little bit different than Mike's. How do you see that positively impacting the international marketplace? Both Mike and I have degrees in urban planning, postgraduate degree, and I feel going forward in our positions with the Community Improvement District here that my focus is mostly or more so on the physical planning, while Mike's focus probably, and I think Mike would agree, would be more on the economic development, mm-hmm. the less physical portions of it. So you're more hardscapes. I'm more hardscape where he's more moneyscape. <laughs> well, I mean, from the standpoint of you know bringing bringing the businesses into the community, you're more focused on creating that that environment, that, that bricks and mortar kind of infrastructure based streetscape yes. and improvements. Mike and I, our roles we're a small organization. Our roles cross each other quite a bit. It's kind of like here. Everybody Correct. everybody does a little bit of something, something. to put the product on. For the most table. people who are familiar with smaller organizations or companies, you know that you play more than one role. You have many hats. Oh, absolutely. And by the way, I need coffee. Anyway, um, that said, we all know the challenges that exist for Independence Avenue and the Community Improvement District as a whole. I've been involved in for a while now. How do you stay positively focused when when you come to the office and you know you drive by a planner that's been hit or like the accident at Independence and what was it Montgall a couple of weeks ago where the car drove up over the streetscape right. and that was that was part of your original streetscape Mike I'm sorry to say it's okay he was out there cleaning it <laughs> I noticed that the boulders were gone yeah. but it's an um, opportunity for renewal there you go yes so how do you how do you stay positively focused oh it's called just, Bobby Baker well I, I understand that is it the eye on the prize all the time at the you got to keep seeing the light at the end of the tunnel what do you do on a daily basis to stay positively motivated number one I enjoy the work that I do and I enjoy making a difference in the community and this and the little small steps that we take every day 
the bigger goal is to get one more business to come into the area, to get one more person a job that they didn't have before. It's, it's just the commitment to doing that type of work, and I'd like to do that type of work. And so that's really kind of the drive personally. I've had the uh, opportunity to spend most of my working career here in the Northeast area. I'm excited to be able to come back here and maybe finish up that working career over here. And so every day is an adventure just like it was before. No day is boring. You know, there's one day when you're picking up stuff for an auto accident, but then you're the next day you're talking to a business owner and, and or someone walking by on the street that says, we really appreciate the job that you're doing here. And I don't look at that as about, quote, me, the job that I'm doing. It's about the job that we're doing here because there's a whole bunch of people involved in the team. It's not just our CID people. It is... The Northeast News, it's Rebecca Cope and, and her business, and it's our other business owners that are members of the chamber that all work together to, to make the area a better place. Really, you always see on the other news outlets about all the bad stuff that happens. They love to talk about something that happened here. They never talk about the good stuff. We know all the good stuff, and, and I want to try and be agent for bringing more good stuff to the area. Lon, what about you? What keeps your eye on the prize? It's building, in this case, potentially rebuilding community. For urban planners, that's in our hearts. Mm-hmm. For every urban planner I've ever met, that's deep in our hearts is community, improvement, and development in a human scale. A large opportunity for Mike and I and working with our other staff to leave a legacy behind us of that nature along the avenue. There's so much potential, particularly when you look at, for example, truce and some of the developments along many blocks, at least a mile and a half, two miles of truce, where we have three and almost quarter mile here with tons of potential as well. I want to talk about that for a minute because there there are other CIDs in town and we've main core is one i know that you know martin city has one even though it's it's three quarters of a mile long half mile long it's really doesn't compare here but and i know that there's a south kansas city cid and various others scattered throughout kansas city 61 to be 61 different cids in kansas city missouri which that should in in my estimation that should send a message to the city of Kansas City, Missouri, that there's a need that's not being met mm-hmm. from the development and from the infrastructure standpoint. But I'm not going to editorialize on that <laughs> right now. Knock uh, yourself out, Mike. Obviously, the different CIDs get together. How do you see that as a strength moving forward with you know idea sharing mm-hmm. and resource sharing, Mike? Well, the number one thing about CIDs is that those are created by the owners of property within those CIDs. So it's a political subdivision. It's a political subdivision. Those owners are committed to the area. So they self-tax themselves in the form of property tax. So it's extra money coming out of their pocket. And then some of the CIDs, the Independent 70 CID included, also has a one-cent sales tax that generates money that goes into funding the operations of the CID, which gives us the ability to do things on the avenue, just like a lot of the other CIDs. But basically... We're doing things along the CID that I think some of the other CIDs are not doing as far as some marketing promotion efforts. I think that we're, we are not copying anybody. There are plenty of things that we are doing that are similar to other CIDs. And yet we do talk and exchange and we do kind of have a CID, what do you call it, a CID summit? Summit. That we bring other CIDs together to see what's going on on their end and and to share those ideas. Mm-hmm. Lon, anything? Yes, a good example would be it's a program called e-beacons. The concept, which works extremely well for us in, in reporting quarterly to uh, interested parties, it's a way to keep track off of paper 
and digitally, including photographs, when necessary and needed. At the last summit we had, we had speakers from the developers of that company, and now they're going to be assisting and working with other CIDs within the city. Their company started here in Kansas City, and it was the innovation of the staff here before Mike and I arrived to digitalize reporting. And this company is now expanding its horizons nationally. And eBeacon is the name of the company. eBeacon is the name of the company established here. And so they provide support for That's right. CIDs and technology-based support for the various CIDs. For example, when our ambassadors encounter trash, we have to weigh the amounts of trash and report Physically that, weigh. Physically weigh the amount of trash and record it. Well, instead of using paper or maybe Excel spreadsheet, there's a whole program for producing reports instantly. That's one of the benefits that I've seen with the eBeacon program is the instantaneous recording of, of what's going on. So it's happening in real time. It's just basically an app. It's mm-hmm. on our phone, and so I can hit the app. You can see on the app here we've got different categories. We're on radio, but log, go ahead. You know, call for everyone <laughs> who wanted to do that, so on and so forth. So as we do it, it's, it instantly happens. And I can load photographs after for the if there's a situation, and then it gets shared amongst all of us. We all know what's going on. And then, and then we can, of course, dis- disseminate those reports to the powers that mm-hmm. be. As I sit here in the 21st century with, with my clipboard mm-hmm. and my pen, you pulled out a smartphone that has infinitely more power than this. It saves you from going back and carrying a clipboard and manually recording those results. You're right. And there was another way I, I just want to mention quickly while we're talking about being progressive, at least uh, in relationship to the CID here up in the old Northeast, is our recycling program. We're the only CID in the city and maybe possibly even nationwide to begin a recycling program along with this within the CID's responsibilities. One of the things that Carl Marcus and Bobby Baker Hughes and I have discussed in regards to the recycling program that the Independence Avenue CID is operating right now is that it's, it's a paradigm shift and it takes more than a minute to turn a battleship around. And so that that program has been underway for, what, about a year now, going on a year, maybe a little bit more. How is that going? What's the progress of that? I could say beautifully. We've not been disappointed. I'm sure the community has not been disappointed. We are emptying the barrels. There's 21 of them along the avenue. At least twice a week, we empty three quarters of each of those barrels. So that gives you an idea of the recycling that takes place. Each barrel is going to have so much weight in there. I think typically as, as we weigh those bags of recycling, right? you're looking at typically a 50 to 60 pound bag out of those barrels. I guess you could put numbers on it that way. So that's a lot of trash over the course of a month that is being recycled and, and hopefully reused someplace else, but it's not on the avenue. It's not blowing into the neighborhood. And it's a great thing that decreases that visual blight that people see when they drive along corridors or neighborhoods and say that that looks trashy or not. That kind of brings me back full circle to what I was going to ask about the visual perception of Independence Avenue as we know it. A lot of neighborhood people and a lot of business people have indicated, at least to me, that the avenue looks better than it's ever looked before and that it's stronger than it ever has been in recent history. And I'm going back 30 years. I, I moved in in 1990, so I've, I've seen a lot since that time, and I would have to agree with that. 
What are your thoughts on that when the critics come out of the woodwork and start to pick apart maybe some of the minutiae that you might be focusing on that isn't readily known to the general public, Mike? Well, I think some of those critics might have too much time on their hands, and they're just really anti-neighborhood, and they probably live in the suburbs, or they live in the wealthy areas of the city where they have the idea that everything is clean and neat and it happens instantaneously. That's just not the way it happens in urban neighborhoods. I can also drive along, and I do drive along Main Street and Broadway and other commercial corridors all the time, too. There are things that look great about those corridors, and I think those CIDs are doing great. Um, But you also see areas of trash that are in there, too, and little small things if you really want to nitpick. We are, as a commercial corridor, we are very comparable to Main Street and Broadway, 39th Street, those other urban quarters that are out there as far as economic activity and overall physical appearance. You know, plus, we have some very unique historic buildings and historic character in the area that I think some of the other commercial quarters don't have. And you know you're in Independence Avenue. You know you're in Northeast when you're in that street. I guess strengths and weaknesses of the avenue, how do you... I mean, we all we all know what some of the strengths are. What what are some of the weaknesses and challenges? I won't even refer to them weaknesses. What are some of the what are some of the challenges that you face on a daily basis on the avenue? There's a high volume of problems that still exist as far as trash, litter. I mean, we have our urban ambassadors that are out there, and they do a fantastic job. And I'm very happy to work with them. They're great great folks. But every day they bring back a lot of trash. They're still too many people out there putting trash out on the street versus disposing of it properly. So mm-hmm. I see that as a big thing. It's, it's still, you see that visual blight. It's a visual blight indicator, which weighs negatively on people's minds. And I'd, I'd say that's probably the number one issue. You also have issues with graffiti. I mean, it, uh, one of the things that we started, but now that I'm here, we want to make a bigger focus on, is the timely removal of graffiti that is on commercial buildings along Independence Avenue. You're talking about the tags. The tags. I mean, mm-hmm. basically, your avenue, we, it's a high-volume quarter. You probably have 25, 26,000 cars a day or more that use the avenue. Most of those people are people who are coming in from the suburbs, from the eastern portion of the city, going through, working downtown. And that's probably the number one thing they see is graffiti and tagging. Mm-hmm. And so in five seconds, they sit there and can think that this is a bad neighborhood because of one piece of graffiti that they might have saw or a couple things of trash that are on the curb. So we're going to try and get rid of those things as quick as we can. Lon, what about you? What What are some right. of the challenges that you see? Well, with Independence Avenue being the jewel of the area, and I would say turning around the perspective of the opportunities there for outsiders to... So turning around the reputation right. is beyond the physical challenges that Mike spoke to. I see a bit of the perception challenges as well. And Mike would agree with me on that. We have a team. All of the residents up in the old Northeast area should have confidence that they at least have a team of people who are working every day, including the weekends, to change around the direction of not only the physical environment here, but the perception of the environment up here, working every day. With, I think, the, the end of the fiscal year for the CID comes in April, April, if I'm not mistaken. You're correct. At that time, there will be an open enrollment for Avenue businesses to become members of the CID. Do you see that? I mean, obviously, more people are going to want to come on board. How do you see that as positively impacting, you know, your roles moving forward, Mike? 
Well, one of the things that uh, I'm here to assist uh, Bobby and the CID with is to expand the CID. So there are a number of property owners that have already expressed interest that they would like to be part of the CID for some reason before they didn't want to be part of it, which I think comes back to some of the show-me state attitude, mm-hmm. which is they wanted to be shown that it actually is making a difference, and it is making a difference. So we are looking to add about 90 properties into the CID. That's the goal before the end of April. And that's going to almost double what your membership is now, correct? Because it's sitting right around the 100 mark, give or, it, give or take. Yes, give or take. I, I, yeah. So, and isn't wasn't there some talk about extending the physical boundaries of that as well, maybe moving west and east a you're, little bit? You're correct. The expansion and, is going to include uh, some properties that are to the west that are not in the CID right now and also to the east. And then there are some internal properties within the CID that, you know, because it's not a one contiguous line. It kind of goes up and down. Mm-hmm. And some properties weren't initially in there that they're going to join that as well. So yeah, the boundary will be expanded. The new... Eastern boundary of the CID would be roughly Interstate 435 and 24 Highway. That's correct. And then the western boundary, you're looking at extending that from essentially Paseo down to the stoplight at Cherry, correct? Right, where you get into the 35 South, the interchange there. Okay. So roughly maybe a mile, mile and a quarter total, but what did you say, 90 businesses or so? That would be inside and outside It'll be about 90 additional properties. Okay. Anything in addition that you'd like to add in regards to where you see the CID and the chamber going in the coming year? Well, I drive the avenue every every day looking for things that we need to do. But one of the things I always see is as I drive is there are still a lot of empty storefronts. I would like to have the goal be, I think we'd like to have the goal be where there's not a single solitary empty storefront and those vacant lots that are there right now along Independence Avenue have buildings on them that are occupied by businesses. Lon? I'd like to mention at this time the Paseo Gateway plans for the western portion of the avenue up to Chestnut on the east and the potential for redevelopment of that area to help spur development going eastward, Uh, particularly when you consider that the bus system will be expanding and potentially light rail system is to, to come down Independence Avenue. There's going to be plenty of opportunity and activity for growth. What we've seen happen in other parts of the city. Mikey, you had mentioned earlier Opportunity Zone program that we kind of touched on a couple days ago. What do you see that bringing to Independence Avenue as far as development and incentives? And walk us through a little bit of that process and what that program looks like. Well, the process is still somewhat being formulated through the federal government, but essentially what it really involves is is capturing investment in the form of new construction and or additions to existing buildings for the investors to be able to retain capital gains. And do you see that as a, obviously that's going to be a positive on the avenue. What's the rollout timeline for that program moving forward? The federal government wants to get everything really rolling out definitely within the 2019 period. Isn't that done through Congressman Cleaver's office, if I'm not mistaken? Correct. Since that's a federal program? Congressman Cleaver has definitely been the cheerleader in putting that together. Kansas City is one of many cities that are participating in that program, and there are several zones within the city of Kansas City that are opportunity zones. So there's the Northeast slash Paseo Gateway 
opportunity zone. There's the Blue Valley Industrial Area Industrial Zone. There's, I think there's six different zones in the city. And the Paseo Gateway Zone, that's going to piggyback off some of that Bryn Shore development money and that $30 million grant, HUD grant, that we're seeing the development along the west end of Independence Avenue uh, yes. take place, correct? That development is basically almost in the heart of the Paseo Gateway Independence Avenue Opportunity Zone. Okay. They also have the Economic Enterprise Zones, EEZ. You have the access of Chapter 353 tax credits, which is property tax relief. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a number of different incentive programs that are out there. I think one of the things that I, I would like to do as the Economic Development Ambassador as we move forward is to be able to work with businesses and investors to create the packaging that they may not get that assistance from other entities out there so we can work with them to package something specifically for their needs to get them to invest in the Northeast area. A lot of these things are out there. They don't know that they're out there, and they don't have time to put those things together themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's that's one of the things that we're going to be working together on is getting that word out there that these programs do exist for the Independence Avenue, the CID businesses, and the businesses along the Avenue corridor. So, guys, I want to just say thank you very much for coming in and sitting down with us today. Uh, Lon Clark, thank you very much. Mike Spady, thank you very much for sitting down and agreeing to be grilled for this podcast. Uh, My name is Mike Bushnell. I'm the publisher of the Northeast News, and we thank you very much for tuning in. And that was Lon Clark, Urban Design Planner, and Mike Spady, Economic Development Ambassador with the Independence Avenue CID. Thank you again for tuning in to this week's episode of the Northeast Newscast. I'm Elizabeth Orozco. (laughs) 